Hallelujah. Lift up your hands and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you, O Lord, tonight. For you are worthy of all praise and glory and honor. And tonight, we dedicate everything to you. For your will, for your purpose. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. You may be seated around the church tonight. Hallelujah. 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 I want you to turn to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah, the 8th chapter. While you're getting there, let's set the stage here. In the first part of the book of Nehemiah, we read about the walls of Jerusalem being rebuilt, the physical walls. At the end of the building, Nehemiah and the people decided to try to repopulate the city of Jerusalem. So they bring in people from throughout the nation, and Jerusalem for the first time really since the Babylonian captivity has people in it again. Once the project about the walls of Jerusalem was settled, the attention of the nation began to turn to the spiritual walls that were torn down and were not yet rebuilt. The first part of the rebuilding of the spiritual walls was the Lord sending Ezra, the scribe, back to the Holy Land, to Jerusalem, to prepare the priests and the Levites for what was going to happen. The second part of this effort was the Lord sending Nehemiah, not just to rebuild the physical walls of the city, but to make sure the nation was on a proper foundation that the nation, its spiritual walls, would be rebuilt. That brings us to Nehemiah chapter 8. In the first verse it reads, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. For the first time, from what I could figure out, since the days of King Josiah, the people were going to hear the word of God read in front of them. Verse 2. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and the women, and for those who that could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. I want us to skip past verse 4 because I'm not going to show off to read all those names. 
But we will get to verse 5, where it said, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. Verse 6. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. This is a wonderful scene if you think about it. Here are all the children of Israel. They have volunteered for the law to be read in their presence. Ezra, he does what? He blesses the people. Then the people, all of them, raise their hands and bow their head and they worship the Lord. It had to be a wonderful sight, a beautiful sight. That brings us to verse 7, the last part of the verse, where it said that when the law was read, it caused the people to understand the law, and the people stood in their place, verse 8. So they read in the book, in the law of God distinctly, and gave the sense, and caused them to understand the reading. Now, let's go through this real fast. The first part, distinctly, the people heard the word that was said. The second part, which was what? Under um, the sense. This means they understood what was being said. So, first, they heard the word. Then they understood the word. Then the third part was what? Understand the reading or how to apply what they were hearing to their lives. In this, we really see the three levels of hearing. One, you're listening with it with your ears. Doesn't mean you're understanding a thing that you're hearing, but you are hearing the words. Second, the understanding. Understanding what is being said. When it comes to Christianity, think about it. There are many who hear the message. That goes over their head. But then there's a second group that they hear the message and they understand exactly what's being said. Now it's decision time. What do you do with the information? Those who accept Jesus, they begin to what? Apply what they heard. The first application being what? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. For those who understand what's being said but flat out reject it, then they have not applied what they've heard. So first is hearing, then understanding, then what? Applying what has been said. Now let's deal specifically with the children of Israel here. The children of Israel 
are under the Old Covenant, the Old Testament. They are hearing not just the Ten Commandments, but everything basically from Exodus 20 all the way to the end of Deuteronomy. And they are hearing it all in one fell swoop. So here are all the Israelites. Let's say that at the end of verse 6, they're in a great mood, emotionally happy. They're raising their hands. They're lifting the Lord. They are worshiping his holy name. Everything is going great. Then what happens? They begin to hear first the Ten Commandments. They hear things like, you shall have no other gods before you. And some of them immediately realize they're guilty. Then you shall have no idols. And some more realize, oh no, we're guilty. Then comes what? Taking the name of the Lord your God in vain. Oh no, they're not doing that either. The next one was what? The Sabbath day. Uh Uh-oh, we worked on last Saturday, didn't we? Yeah, they're guilty. So, so far, four commandments, and it's starting to go downhill. Then you get the next six. Things like, honor your father and your mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Thou shalt not covet. And as Ezra read these more and more of the people began to realize, oh no, we're sunk. We're in deep trouble. We've broken all the Ten Commandments. Then he starts saying things like, thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself, which is in Leviticus. Oh no, we're in trouble. Then he gets to the dietary laws. And they find out that all their double quarter pounders with cheese was actually against the law for them to eat. Read through the law. We'll explain it for you later. Then he starts getting into the sacrifices. You mean we were supposed to offer sacrifices? You mean we're supposed to offer a trespass offering and a sin offering? These people, all under the Old Testament, keep in mind, we are not under the Old Everyone say, thank God. Because we would have been feeling the same way these people were at this moment. Awful. Horrible. All of this was basically being shredded in their sight. (coughs) Now remember the history of the children of Israel. When they're hearing the Old Testament law, they remember their recent history. And that was in the days of the prophet Jeremiah. The children of Israel shredded up the Old Testament law, didn't keep any of it. And what happened? Babylonian captivity. Temple tore to the ground. City leveled. Vast majority of them killed. Remainder taken into captivity into Babylon. For these people, this isn't something thousands of years in the past. 
This is something not that far in their past. So immediately they start getting visions of, oh no, we're in horrible shape here. We're going to be killed. They're going to tear down the city. The invading army is going to drag us away. Emotionally, the people felt like dirt. Mentally, they tried to figure out a way out of it, and they could only come to one conclusion. There was no getting out of it. So what do we see? A people that started with their heads down and worshiping are now depressed and in tears because they have known that they have broke all the law and they are in deep trouble. So here we have Israel in Jerusalem hearing the law and immediately they feel like dirt. Verse 9. And Nehemiah, which is, I'll use the English word, governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Why were they weeping? They knew they were guilty and there was no way out. They knew they were in trouble. How did the priest, the Levites, Nehemiah, and Ezra reacted? Now usually when ministers see conviction all over the room and people crying, they immediately go for the kill. Now's the time to run to the altar. And it was the time to finish the job. Then Ezra and Nehemiah could say, look what the Lord had done. But the Lord led them to do something completely different, which was what? This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not, nor weep. Why in the world would Nehemiah and Ezra say this when the people in the audience were guilty as charged and they needed to repent? Because there's a bigger picture we're going to see. Verse 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our God. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, keep in mind what's going on when the people are hearing this. They have been convicted of their sins. They know they're guilty. Here is Ezra and Nehemiah. And what are they doing? They are encouraging the people to be joyful because the joy of the Lord is their strength. Verse 11. 
So the Levites killed all the people, saying, Hold your peace, for this day is holy. Neither be ye grieved. Verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portion and to make great mirth. It became a party. Why? Because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Why were they celebrating? It wasn't because of their sin. They were celebrating because they understood the words that were declared unto them. They were celebrating, hearing, and understanding the word of God. Why could Ezra and Nehemiah say, The joy of the Lord is your strength. Because the joy was present. Because they heard and understood the word of God. The point. For joy to be present, we need to hear and understand the word of God. Are we together on this? Let's back this up. Follow with me to the book of Acts. We will go to the 13th chapter. Acts 13. Toward the middle of the chapter, the Apostle Paul delivered a powerful sermon in Antioch of Pisidia. He is in the Jewish synagogue in the city, they gave him the floor. He preached the word of God unto them. Let's make sure we understand this. Just like Ezra read the law, here is Paul preaching the word of God. Are we together on this? Paul is preaching the gospel message. Let's go to verse 42. And when the synagogue, when Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached to them next Sunday, or Sabbath, excuse me. So what do we see here? The Gentiles, they want to hear the message the following week. So Paul is coming back. To preach the word of God. Are we together on this? Now, let's keep moving. Verse 44. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. So what's being proclaimed here? The word of God as preached by Paul, verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitude, that they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. These are those that heard the word. They understood exactly what Paul was saying and they rejected the word of God using what we saw in Nehemiah. Can there be any joy in these people 
when they hear and understand and reject? Absolutely not. They're not even saying. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you. But seeing ye put it from you and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, I have set thee to be a light to the Gentiles, that ye should be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. So, what's happening here? Paul preached the gospel. The Jews in the synagogue in Antioch of Pisidia, they reject the message. The Gentiles, they hear the message. They understand the message. Why? I wish I could say it was because Paul is a great orator, even though he is. But we know what Jesus said. The Holy Spirit will teach you. So who was teaching the Gentiles that salvation was for them? Paul was the spokesman, but the teacher was the Holy Spirit. Are we together on this? Now, let's go to the next verse. Verse 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad. In other words, they were full of of joy. Why? Because they heard the word and they understood the word and now they can apply the word in their life and glorified the word of the Lord putting it all together. They hear the word of the Lord. They're glad, full of joy as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region for the sake of time. Verse 52. What does it say? And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Why were they filled with joy? And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. They heard the word. The Spirit gave them the understanding and then the application. When the word is received, something enters into a believer. And that is the joy of the Lord. See the connection. The connection between the joy of the Lord and the preaching of the Word of God. For the Holy Spirit to fill you with joy, the Word must be preached. Are we together on this? Let's continue to build our case. Look at Romans. Let's go to Romans 14.
Let's read verse 17. So it's 16 and 17. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Who is the giver of joy? Holy Ghost. What have we seen so far? The word goes forth. The joy comes in. What is Paul doing in Romans? He is giving them the word of God. What's the end result? The joy of the Lord. One page over. Chapter 15, verse 13. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing in what? The Word of God. The Gospel message. The truth about who Jesus is, what Jesus did, what Jesus is doing, and what Jesus will do. When the Word is preached, J-O-Y, the joy of the Lord will enter into the believer. Acts 17. Acts 17. In this chapter, the Apostle Paul arrives in Thessalonica. We need to establish... What we see here in Acts 17 before we can go to 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them and three Sabbath days reason with them out of the scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. Notice how verse 2 ends. Out of the scriptures. So what do we see? The same thing we saw in Nehemiah chapter 8, the word read. The same thing we saw in Acts 13, the word preached. Now here is Paul, out of the scriptures, the word of God, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. So once again, we end with the word preach, or the word of God is preached to these people. First comes the word. Verse And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas, and of the devout Greeks a great multitude, and of the chief women not a few. Let's hold there. What do we see? 
we see the word preached from the Scripture. And then the result is souls being one to Jesus, setting the stage for the Thessalonica church to be started. Keep this in the back of your mind as we go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. I know in the notes it starts a little later, but I'm going to start with verse 3, where it said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, because that your faith grows exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other abounds, so that we ourselves glory in you in the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that ye endure, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God, that ye may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God, for which ye also suffer. Verse 6. Sin is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. I'm reading the wrong book, actually. Let me get the first Thessalonians. That was for your benefit. Now let me start with verse 2. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor and love and patience of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. Verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only. That means that the gospel came to them in more than words. But also means that Paul preached the gospel to them. They heard the word of God. But they also saw the gospel in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. Verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction. How did they receive the word? Yes, I know it said much affliction, but you receive from hearing. What did Paul say in verse 5? For a gospel came not unto you only in word. They received the word. And what was the end result? With joy of the Holy Ghost. The point is this. You want the joy. Every one of us wants the joy. The word is clear. We need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to be filled with joy. This is why we look at all of this tonight. In Nehemiah, when Ezra read the word of the Lord. 
and the people understood the word. At first they were what? Crying and weeping, depressed. But then Nehemiah, Ezra, and the priests and Levites said, This is not a time for mourning. This is not a time for weeping. This is a time for celebration. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. They had received the word. When they received the word, now that they're moving beyond their emotions, they can receive the joy. The joy of the Lord is what they were operating in, and that's why they were able to celebrate. They heard the word, the joy of the Lord came, they celebrated. In Acts 13, what did we see? The Gentiles, they heard the word of the Lord. I can guarantee you that many of them were probably in sorrow, weeping, crying, because they were convicted of their sins. But what happened after they were saved? After they were born again? After the Spirit comes inside of them? Sorrow gone. Joy comes in. Now they're smiling and celebrating because the joy of the Lord has entered. But where did it begin? The hearing and understanding of the Word of God. What did we piece together here? In Thessalonica, the exact same thing. They heard the word. They believed the word. The joy enters into them. The joy begins with the preaching of And the understanding of the Word of God. Are we together on this? We as a church, it is time for us to be full of joy. But I have nothing to be joyful over. The dog bit me. The cat scratched me. I was treated like a dog at work. They made me laugh. Actually, insulted me at the grocery store. The wife, the husband, they look at me weird. The kids think I'm silly. There's nothing for me to be happy about. What did we see here? What is the source of all joy? The word of the Lord as given in Nehemiah in Acts 17, yeah, Acts 17, 1 Thessalonians 1, and also in Acts 13. The word comes. They understand the word. The joy of the Lord enters into them. Joy in the Holy Ghost. Here's how you receive joy.
the word of God. This is how we receive joy. The Spirit began to reveal. When I'm reading this, it feels like the light comes on and then I understand something. And then I'm ecstatically happy. The joy of the Lord is present at that moment. When we are in the Word, seriously in the Word, and when the Spirit reveals something new to us, the joy of the Lord enters into us. How to change darkness into joy. Morning to joy. Depression to celebration. This. I am encouraging every one of you to move beyond all the problems that are in your life. The Spirit is asking you to make a renewed emphasis on being in the Word and not just reading through the Bible once a year. Do that. It's important. But many, when they read through the Bible once a year, they are hearing the Word, but they're not getting the understanding and the application. I'm talking about slowing down, studying, meditating or thinking on the Word, and allowing the Spirit to reveal the meaning. Being the Word, think about the Word, meditate on the Word, will take time. Here a little, there a little is true. But what will happen when we are doing this. The joy of the Holy Ghost. Even beyond our salvation experience, when we hear the word of the Lord, the joy will begin to bubble up inside of us. And it will be long-lasting as long as we're in the Word. This is our source of joy. When we're in this, the Holy Spirit will fill us with His joy. And we can operate in this joy throughout our lives. Believers in Jesus, who wants to be joyful? This is going to be a time of joy, of celebration. It begins with the Word of God. The more you're in the Word, the more the joy will bubble up. The joy of the Lord is our strength. We are filled with joy. And we have the joy of the Holy Ghost. The Word is the key to all of this. 
from what we saw, when you're in the Word, the joy will come. Tonight, be in the Word, and the joy will come. Let's stand across the church tonight.